Welcome to Mental Maps, a podcast about navigating the mind. My name is Joshua Dell, and I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner, therapist, and host of this show. Today, we're going to finish up our two-part series on the concept of coping. Uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to uh, episode one, which is the brain gas tank, I highly recommend it. We're going to reference a lot of the information from that podcast in this but if you haven't i'll give just a real quick overview as we begin but i highly recommend that because ultimately the brain gas tank in itself is the basis of coping but in part two we're going to understand the concept of short-term coping and if you remember in the first episode we kind of discussed there's two major concepts in coping Long-term coping and short-term coping. And long-term coping is what we identified as that brain gas tank, meaning it's the things that fuel you so that you can take the hits that occur throughout the day that you can able to maintain your overall psychological and mental stability. And then from that long-term coping, we then bring in the concept of short-term coping. And that is the things that we're going to be doing in the moment to calm ourselves down. And so to kind of get this going, the first thing is that what is short-term coping? The goal of short-term coping is to alleviate the uncomfortable feelings of the perceived stress. So when something bad happens or something stressful happens or something active, whatever it may be happens, the goal of the short-term coping skill is that you are able to calm yourself down in the moment and alleviate the uncomfortable emotions or thoughts or whatever may be occurring from that much different than the long-term coping like we talked about before, which was fueling you. So we talked about that gas tank where you're just continuing to add uh, fuel to your gas tank so that you can then take the hits throughout the day and you can continue to maintain your positive mindset. This is the things you can do in the moment to calm yourself down in that moment. I like to think of it as um, within the short-term coping, if you're in the office or you're at a social setting or you're just somewhere where there's some type of trigger for you, this is something you're gonna do in that moment. We can't drop down and do 20 push-ups right in the middle of work to calm down our anxiety because the meeting's getting out of control. We can't go for a run right in the middle of a dinner that we're having with friends because that's not gonna allow us to truly cope. But we can do these short-term coping skills which will then help us calm down. Now, one thing I want to stress as we kind of get into this, and the last thing I'll probably reference to the episode before, is that your long-term coping is really going to dictate your ability to use these short-term coping skills. Remember that the long-term coping is that energy and that fuel that you need to kind of manage the day. And so if we have a really low fuel in our gas tank, we're continuing to take those hits throughout the day, it's going to be very difficult for you to have the mental awareness and the mental energy it takes to cope with the stressors that are coming in and you use these short-term coping skills. So... How do we short-term cope? A lot of short-term coping that we use today comes out of a type of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, or also known as CBT. And CBT is a very widely known talk therapy modality. It was created by Dr. Aaron Beck, who really changed the world of talk therapy as he identified this method of being able to target anxiety and depression and all any really any mental illness now can be dictated and used within CBT. But the whole concept of CBT is that we have this 
what we would call the cognitive triangle, and that is your thoughts, your feelings, and behaviors. And everything we have going on in the human mind and throughout CBT is that we have these thoughts, we have these feelings, and we have these behaviors. And within these three things, that kind of dictates how we interact with the world, how we show that we're not doing well, how we show we are doing well, all the things that come from it. And these thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are dictated based on things that can occur internally and externally. And so when they have some type of stressor that occurs, that then results in some type of thought, and then that thought can lead to an emotion or vice versa, and the next thing you know, we have a behavior. So I, you know, I, a great example you can use for this, and this is very simplistic, but you have the thought or the urge of thought that I'm hungry, I'd like to have pizza. Your emotion is I'm very happy, and so you go eat pizza. Or you have the stimulus of um, you're in a big social setting and there's a lot of people around. That makes you feel very nervous or on edge because you're not sure who's all around you and you feel scared. Your thought is, I can't protect myself. Who are these people? Then that leads you to isolating and withdrawing. And so anything you kind of have in your life that you think is troublesome, just, you know, I would recommend looking in and being able to say, what is the thought and what is the feeling that's kind of associated with this? That's not the context of this podcast, but that is something that I think can be very beneficial for all of us. So when we think about coping and short-term coping, I like to use the toolbox analogy. It really comes from CBT, which is what I just referenced. But we can see coping and the skills or the tools that we use to cope very similar to the tools in a toolbox because each one has a specific set of skills that it can do. So we've all seen those toolboxes. Well, most toolboxes that are very uh, well organized with the different trays and each tool has its place and so you have your screwdrivers and your uh, hammers and your nails and your socket wrenches and all those different things and your socket wrenches and so each one of those have a specific purpose so for example if i'm doing some type of carpentry work and i have a screw that needs to be screwed into uh, another board i'm going to pick up either my screwdriver or i'm going to pick up maybe a drill that's in my toolbox if i were to pick up a hammer it's not going to be very effective to get the job done because I can sit and bang with that hammer all day and it may even work a little bit, but it's not going to do the job that I'm looking for it to get to be done. Coping is identical to this in that we have certain skills that exist within the within that we can do as a human that will alleviate an emotion we are experiencing. It may not work for every emotion, but it's going to work for a certain emotion. And so what I would challenge you to do as we do this is that at home or, or wherever you're at, draw a big rectangle on a piece of paper. And within that, create maybe six or eight boxes, whatever you feel comfortable with, and put whatever emotions in each box you feel like you experience. And then under that emotion, identify what coping skill you feel like is helpful for that. So what coping skill is helpful for anxiety? What coping skill is helpful for sadness, for fear, for anger, for um, nervousness, for, for even for happiness? How do, I, how do I able to cope with the happiness that I may receive? All those things. And identify what works for that. And within that, that then allows you to be planned for what you're going to do to be able to cope and manage what's going on in your life. So an example of this would be, or, or kind of I think of, to regress, I think a, a way to structure it is to remember what the goal is. So when we think about emotions, emotions really dictate in two, uh, in two ways. Either it brings you up 
or it brings you down. So we have emotions that really activate us, it puts us on edge, it gets us really up, and the whole goal in that to cope with that emotion is to calm down. Whereas we have other emotions that bring us down and it makes us feel low. And the goal of those emotions or to cope with those emotions is to bring you up. So when you're looking in your anxiety sheet, for example, let's say I'm looking in my anxiety tray, I'm probably not going to do something that is a really activating or energizing coping skill because I'm looking to be calmed down. And remember, this is short-term coping. So this isn't like, hey, I go for a run to clear my mind or, hey, I, I go read a book. This is something we're doing in the exact moment. So absolutely, can you do something to get out all of that energy from your anxiety later in the day? Yes, you can. Can you do that to start your day out? Absolutely. But in the exact moment, you do not want to be doing things that are going to activate you or bring you farther down if you're in that moment. So for example, if I am in a, in a social setting, uh, there's a lot of people around, I'm starting to feel kind of anxious, feel kind of on edge. The last thing I'm going to do is put my headphones in and listen to some super hard rock metal that's going to get me really activated and up. Or I'm going to go out and, and just grab a, an energy drink to get going. All those things are going to be very stimulating to the mind and then also trigger that anxiety response. It's going to make it worse because it's bringing us up. So then in your in your toolbox that you have in front of you, I would write down the things that you feel like are going to be helpful that either are going to bring you up and bring you down. Now, when you're trying to think, you know, what would work for me or, or how would short-term coping work in that regard, we need to think about what the physical body's doing. So how, for example, can we calm the physical body down? The most researched way, I would say, is through the use of breath. Dr. Andrew Huberman and a lot of other people that are, you know, at Stanford and UCLA, there's some at Vanderbilt, um, that are doing a lot of work on breath work and how breathing really impacts not only anxiety, but all the emotions that we experience as humans. And through that breath work, you then are able to find ways to calm down. And so what they found is there is even specific breaths, specific type of what they call diaphragmatic breathing, meaning you're breathing from your diaphragm. And that is really calming to the brain. And so you're in a place where you're feeling really anxious, you're feeling really on edge, taking a couple of deep breaths in your nose, holding for a few seconds and then releasing and allowing your body to really just calm down. And by doing that, you slow your heart rate down. And by slowing your heart rate down, your brain begins to slow down. Because remember, in a state such as anxiety, or even anger where you're getting up and up and up, your brain is turning on and off parts of itself based on what your heart's doing. And so when your heart gets over a certain beat, it's like, oh, I'm in this mode. And when it gets to a certain beat, it's in this mode. And so the goal is to bring it back down to a resting state so that it's in a resting mode so that you can make a rational decision. So breathing is a great way to do that. Um, some recent studies have shown that the most effective breath work for anxiety is what we would consider the old pregnancy breathing that into out one that out the mouth and really releasing at the end they have found that for anxiety specifically doing that five to ten times when you're in heightened anxiety is the most effective thing you can do for your anxiety 
So breath work, a great thing to maybe put into your anxiety um, toolkit. Uh, when you're looking at things that can also bring you down, walking away and kind of taking time. As I referenced earlier, the brain turns on and off parts of itself based on what's going on. And so in these really activated states, whether it's anxiety or it's anger, when your heart rate gets above a certain limit, the frontal lobe will shut off, meaning that 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 front part right above your eyes, right behind the eyes, it's really kind of harbors a lot of the rational decision making that we do, will shut off because the brain says, I am in distress. There is something going on that is not okay. And it perceives it as life or death. And so it will turn on that fight or flight. And so the brain will say, I don't have time to sit and think about, you know, should I do this or should I do that? I've got to act now. And so you're kind of in that state. And so the whole goal within your coping is to bring yourself down, to turn that rational brain back on, to be able to level yourself out. So remember, either activating yourself or bringing yourself down. When we think about coping, it's kind of hard to maybe identify what's something I can do in the moment that can be activating to me, that can bring me up if I'm feeling down. And those are things where you have to get going in some way. Now, I'm not saying that if you are feeling this profoundly depressed, you just need to pick your bootstraps up and get going. That's not, that, that has nothing to do with what we're saying. We do know that if you can get active at some point, it can help. But we know that people who find themselves profoundly depressed, it don't matter how much they get going. They are just, they are that depressed and they need treatment in some other fashions. But we do know if you're just feeling sad or feeling a little down, if you can get doing something in an activating mode that can be helpful so for example if you find yourself feeling just really down whether you're talking to someone and getting it out allowing your body to get up and get that emotion out where you're that you're talking maybe you're writing or journaling uh you're coloring uh that's a you know a lot of people use adult coloring books and things such as that to get at those emotions which is an activity which is activate another great activating um thing you can do is kind of just moving. You see a lot of people who do like some stretches. Maybe they'll just kind of walk away, go to their office and do some stretches. I've seen people do that before and just kind of get it all out, get the body moving. Um, stretching also can be something you can put in like your anger and anxiety. And, and I think that's something that, that's really important is that even though many of these coping skills cannot be used for all of the emotions we experience, sometimes they can interlap. So things that work for anxiety sometimes work for anger, sometimes that work for sadness. We just have to look at it and, and identify what's going to be helpful. And that leads me, I think, to the biggest part of all of this, is that if you're going to be practicing your short-term coping, which we all should, because that allows us to interact better with others and be able to manage life in an effective manner, we have to practice these things. I can't tell you how many people I've seen over the years, even when I was a therapist, even when I was doing case management work a long time ago, um, that we would do this type of short-term coping skill work with. And, you know, they we teach them the skill and they would go out and, and life would happen. And then they would be like, I tried that breathing thing when I got very anxious and it didn't work. And it won't work. You know, that's kind of like saying, I've never shot a basketball before and now I show up to the NBA finals and I'm going to shoot a three-pointer to win the game. Your chance of hitting it and making it are very, very small very similar to your coping. If I've never done any diaphragmatic breathing or I've never done any walking away and kind of taking time to myself or any stretching uh, over in the side of the corner or any type of thought challenging, and we'll talk about that here in a second. 
there's no way I'm going to be able to do it in the moment because we're, our emotions are already high. We're needing to use things that we have stored, that's in our backpack, that's in our toolbox. And I have to be proficient within that skill. If I don't know how to use that wrench to get that bolt off, I can want to get the bolt off all day long. But if I don't know how to do it and I'm not practice it, there's a really good chance I'm not going to do it very effectively. Same thing within the concept of coping. So practice it. So there's a lot of different breathing um, techniques that you can find online. There's a group out of UCLA called the Mindfulness Institute. And of course, we talked about mindfulness in the Brain Gas Tank podcast of things you can do to kind of fuel yourself. But they also kind of talk about breathing techniques and ways to practice your breathing. Um, the Dr. Andrew Huberman, who's out of Stanford, he has a uh, podcast and he talks a lot about breathing and just practicing your breath work and, and trying it every day, at least for five minutes a day, just really focusing on your breathing in and out, what calms you down, what speeds you up. Um, there's even whenever you're feeling really proficient within your breathing, there's a type of breathing where you can breathe really fast, you know, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, about 10 to 20 times and kind of send yourself into an anxiety state and then do some heavy breathing to calm yourself back down. And I know that for some people, as you hear that, you're like, oh my gosh, that is so anxiety provoking. And it, it is uh, when you do it, you can definitely feel it happening, but you can train yourself and it's a good way to practice just because when you're in that real moment, it may be difficult uh, because you may be having anxiety in the midst of this huge presentation you may be having anxiety in the midst of being in a big meeting or at a family gathering you may be having some sadness one day when you wake up and you just and you've got so many things you need to get done but you don't know how to do them or don't know how to get it get going all those things are so important with what lies within our toolbox so practice 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 to ensure that you will be able to be successful within your coping and be able to use these tools sufficiently. So one big thing that kind of lies within all of coping is we have this short-term coping skills, as we've talked about, with all the different tools. But one tool that kind of sets in the toolbox for all the emotions. So if you kind of think about it, uh, and the analogy we're using, so we have our rectangle on our paper, we have the six, eight boxes, whatever you have on there. We've all seen the toolboxes that are like a, you know, they have a tray, you know, so you pull the tray up and then underneath it is a big compartment. Imagine that you've pulled that tray up and underneath that is this really big thing, this really massive coping skill called thought challenging. And no matter what emotion we are experiencing as humans, challenging your thoughts will calm you down or bring you up. And the whole goal of thought challenging is being able to look into yourself and evaluate the thought you are having that's leading you to your emotion. So it's not that, hey, I was driving to work and I got caught in traffic and now I'm anxious. It's what thought led me to be anxious. So is it, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late. And what does it mean? So there are a lot of different ways to challenge your thoughts. Um, you can like, Google different um, thought challenging techniques. I, I do a lot of this work. I used to do even more of this work um, when I was a therapist. And probably the best thing you can do, and if you want to Google this, you can Google the uh, ABCDs of thought challenging 
And so I just want to kind of highlight it a little bit because I feel like even though this sounds like there's a lot to it, it in itself is a short-term coping skill and it in itself can be sufficient for any emotion and quite effective. So the, the ABCD method, E really, of thought challenging is we have our A, so we have our activating event. So for example, uh, we're driving to work and somebody cuts us off, boof, activating event. B is our belief. So what is our belief about that? So dude cuts me off, I immediately think, that dude cut me off on purpose. And that leads me to C, which is an emotional consequence. And so I, I think it's really interesting if you look up some of the research and some of the different uh, therapy tools. Some people say consequence. Some people use other terms. But I think consequence is a great one because this is almost like the emotional punishment for your dysfunctional thought. And so you're driving down the road, dude cuts you off, you immediately think, that guy cut me off on purpose. You immediately think, that guy's attacking me. And then that leads you to either flipping him the bird, cutting him off, getting mad, yelling, screaming, whatever. And so then D leads us to what's called disrupting the thought. And disrupting the thought comes from maybe asking ourselves statements or questions, if you will, that allow us to say, is this thought true? So is the belief that I'm having true? So one of the best um, ways I think it is, is just because I think it doesn't mean it's true. So just because I think that dude cut me off, cut me off on purpose, is it true? And then just because I feel it doesn't mean it's true. So just because I feel like I'm being attacked, am I really being attacked? And that's a great thing, and I, I highly recommend people practice this a lot. Just because I feel it doesn't mean it's true, and just because I think it doesn't mean it's true. And then there's other questions you can ask yourself, like, um, is there any evidence to prove that my thought is real? So is there any evidence to prove that this guy that I've never met before in my entire life purposely cut me off on this street is, and is attacking me on purpose? Is there any evidence to prove that? And so you can dispute that thought. And so then you create a new thought. So instead of saying, you know, guy cuts me off, my first belief is, that guy cut me off on purpose. We dispute it. There's really no evidence to say that he was cutting me off on purpose. We can say that guy's really in a hurry. So we go back and we put that thought in. So in our ABCD model again, A being our activating event, guy cuts me off. My belief, instead of it being the guy cuts me off on purpose, it's, well, that guy's in a big hurry. And then what is our emotional consequence for that? So instead of it being I feel attacked, it's, oh, well, I hope that guy is able to get to where he's going or well, I feel bad for that guy because he's in a hurry today. Or I can relate because I'm also in a hurry too. And now I don't have the anxiety or the anger or the frustration. So I know that's a lot to kind of be thinking about and talking about in something like this. But I think it's really important because it allows us to identify where all of this is going to lead to. Ultimately, every skill you're using in the top of that tray of that toolbox Everyone, whether it's breathing, whether it's talking to somebody, whether it's 
um, coloring, getting out the emotion, whether it's walking away, whether it's stretching, whether it's you know doing tapping exercises, whether it's w- whatever you find that works for you, no matter what it is, the ultimate goal is that you calm your emotion down enough to challenge the thought you're having to then change the way you feel, which will change the way you react to the world. So again, the goal is not that this skill never keeps you from experience, will always keep you from experiencing emotion. It's that it calms your emotion so that you can challenge your thought and disrupt what's going on. And that is the toolbox. That is how you short-term cope. So to kind of wrap up with what we have here so we have these two concepts we have our brain gas tank which we build and we build daily and weekly to fuel ourselves whether it's going to the gym whether it's you know doing the activities that we love spending time with family or friends whatever that is it's fueling us reading meditating praying whatever that is it's fueling us we have this emotional energy and then through the day we have this toolbox we're carrying around with us to attack the world or be part of the world and whatever we experience that day we open our toolbox we do the work that we need to do we manage the emotions and the things that we have we close our toolbox back and then we go home and to a point that's how we interact with the world and we do that in a way that the tools and the things that we're doing generate us happiness generate us peace generate us relaxation and that it's not this conscious effort to a point where every day is a fight to kind of get ourselves to a piece of place of stability and peace. It's that it's a second nature that we manage our life that way. And for many of us that can take, that may never happen. We may never get to a place where it's just this right off the hip subconscious thing that we never think about. I mean, because it's, it's an ever-changing, ever-working thing. But that is the ultimate goal, that the skills that we have, that the things that we're doing to not only fuel ourselves but to manage our daily life generates us peace and happiness more days than not. And then we can interact with the world in a way that can leave peace with others and peace within ourselves. So moving forward, I challenge you to build that toolbox for yourself. Um, I think we all can have a toolbox. If you have a toolbox already, I think ours can always be better. There's always more tools. If there wasn't, there'd be no reason for a place like Lowe's and Home Depot who just sell tools every day and we just keep accruing them over time. We always can use more tools. We can always use more skills and so be looking. Figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Don't be afraid to, to reach out, but just beware of the things that even though it may give you that short-term comfort, it's not going to last long. So using the things that are healthy, using the things that are enriching to your mind and to your body, and then ultimately leave you in peace and allow you to interact with the world in a positive manner. So I hope this fi- I hope this leaves you well. I hope that as you create this, you find that peace and that you can not only fuel your gas tank every day, but that your toolbox is full and that it is equipped with great tools that allow you to interact all day long in an effective manner. So thank you for joining and good luck with your coping.